This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. We've asked you guys before whether you like free beer and the answer has always been yes. So we are back offering you guys just that, free beer. It's all thanks to our good pals at beer52.com who are giving you the opportunity to sip eight delicious craft beers for free. All you need to do is pay the postage, which is £4.95. And actually, as a special offer for Fulhamish listeners, they're going to throw in two extra beers. So that's a total of 10 free beers. And all you've got to do is pay the postage. Now, if you don't know about Beer 52, they are beer pioneers who find you the most interesting beers from the greatest small batch breweries on the planet. Each month, they send you a package of beers, which have been specially handpicked from breweries both in the UK and from across the world. Now, Beer 52, there's no commitment and you can cancel at any time you can also customize your plan so you get darker or lighter beers whatever you like so claim your free box of beer now by going to beer52.com forward slash fulham that is beer52.com forward slash fulham and claim your free box today ladies and gentlemen it is showtime please welcome the team of the fulhamish podcast It's the Fulhamish Podcast, your independent voice of Fulham FC. I'm Sammy James, and I'm joined today by Nathan Martin. Hello. And George Cooper. Good evening. We're going to be talking about Fulham's one-all draw at Bristol City on Saturday. As the Whites, well, it, was it two points dropped? Well, is, was it one point gained? We'll discuss all the permutations and combinations from the day's game, as well as looking at the promotion race as a whole. Is the title race, automatic promotion race over? Are we just fighting for playoffs? Or maybe, like me, you're a true optimist at heart. And maybe, just maybe, there is a chance. Now, lads, obviously with everything that's going on in the UK right now, I've heard that the best thing... Uh, to stop yourself getting coronavirus is to sit in an airless room uh, with two other individuals uh, for over an hour. Um, so I'm, I'm hopeful that this situation will be will be entirely positive for us. Yeah, you mean an airless room or do you mean a room without any ventilation? Because an airless room, I don't think we'd last even till the end of the hour. Thank you, George. We're starting off on a strong note of going down rabbit holes and, and such. So, you know, this only promises to be a scintillating and very productive hour of We commercial. are putting ourselves at risk doing this podcast today. And I think people don't realise what goes into Fulhamish. Yes, it's time and hard work, but actually we're putting our lives on the line to talk about a one-all draw at Bristol City. It's so a, it's a, Yeah, it's a very good point. I mean, I thought I was uh, pretty adventurous. I think it was uh, a, a week or so ago. I had, had three gigs in one week, and I thought, you know, if that doesn't get me coronavirus here in London, then nothing will. But, yeah, I mean, being in a room with the two of you, two germ carriers, if I ever have seen them. I've been on, <laughs> I've been on four different tubes today. Uh, well. You got to just carry on business as normal, otherwise the virus is one. Don't That's let don't right. don't let George talk to you because he'll just have us all out of business. He he's of the Boris Johnson, just sort of like it's going to be fine. It'll just sort of do its thing, and we'll all be okay at the end of the day. Well, he basically said today that uh, if everyone gets it, then they maybe that's the way to go. Uh, let's not get too bogged down <laughs> in all of that, though. George, three word reviews from Saturday. How many have you got for us? Because you tend to let come me, armed with quite a lot. Let me just get my scroll out. I've got. Uh, I do have quite a few. Truth be told, but I'll, I'll rattle through them, shall I? Yeah, go so, for it. So Ibs always 
can rely on him to pitch him with one. So, so unlucky. I I thought we were pretty unlucky. I thought it was, as you say, two points. Dropped maybe. We were the better team. Anyway, I'll digress. We'll get on to this one. <laughs> got quite a few to get on here. So, Robin, a point. That was that was from yours truly. Uh, <laughs> you put in your own three-word review. That's almost as bad as me asking the pod a question when I was going on the pod. <laughs> right, so. Anyway, uh, Matthew Chantry, Aubrey's dad's masterclass. Quite a few of them, alluding to the fantastic performance from our captain. C. Hunt, Bobby's questionable finishing. Uh, Richard Cardis, keeper Clatters Kearney. I like that one. That's not bad. Sam, so Sam FFC one. Autos have finished. Brett Pond, Fulham draw. Alas, but so Fulham draw alas, but with a with a K in brackets beforehand, which I thought was I thought was pre- yeah, pretty neat, good, very pretty neat, good, very neat. It's a bit clever for its own good. Sophie Johnson, Kenny, different class. John uh, Mitro's on fire nine. Mickey Mouse refereeing, and then uh, Ardy Odza alluded to this and said it's an insult to Mickey Mouse who would have done a far better job refereeing. <laughs> David Green said urgency too late. Greg Margolis cross more please. David Brench said struggle to score I think we can agree with that Gaza French playoff bound Nick Johnson accepting the playoff so there seems to be an air of you know maybe our fate is already sealed yep um, Keith said one all thrashing <laughs> Zachary go bust callous callous block which I thought was nice yep Colm burglar past defeat James Peters schoolyard paper tactics there were a few. This one made me laugh. So this is Mallard Steve. Penetration classes needed. I'm not sure what. I'm, I'm assuming he means we need to be more potent in uh, our attack. Yeah, we apologise However... for any young listeners <laughs> that are hearing However, this. However, I think world. there are different connotations maybe that could be associated <laughs> with that. Steve, no cohesion up front, and then we'll finish off with this one from Wes Omi. Brizzle without sizzle. Oh, very nice. Yeah, that's that nice. That's, that's a good one. Well, you've got to uh, decide a pod name at the end. So uh, get your thinking hat on for the next 50 minutes and uh, you can uh, choose whatever the pod is called. OK, right. We're looking at the game, Nathan. Um, Fulham came into it with bringing Abubakar Kamara back into the side for Anthony Knockart. It was something that was talked about in the week, whether that change uh, would happen. Of course, also uh, Cyrus Christie came into the side um, replacing the injured Joe Bryan. And I thought that, on the whole, the balance of the side really worked in the first half, and particularly Abubakar Kamara, um, as our very own Jack Kelly said in the WhatsApp group, playing like prime Leo Messi. Can we might be a bit far? Yeah. Can we just can we just put like a line in the sand? Like there were some real. I mean, Twitter is not always the best place to find sensible and rational discussion, but I'm I'm so fed up of hearing anything about Kamara like. If, if there's if there's an award for the most improved player, he would have to be the front runner right now, because to go from tr- like trying to get into fight with Mitrovic to to with with you know with Scott Parker to the sort of on the whole measured, balanced and sensible performances that we've been seeing from him, particularly in the last couple of weeks, that go the goal against Preston and then just the the game on Saturday, the way that he tiptoed through a couple times, like a little bit of delicacy, which who, who would have thought that we would use that adjective to describe his performance and also just a real um, cohesiveness as being part of a larger squad. And so, you know, I'm, I'm not going to hear anything about him not deserving his place in the squad. I have no problem with him being rotated, used as a super sub, but he is just on really good form right now. And we can take, you know, a, a bit of consolation a bit of encouragement from that and you know he's got one of my votes for most improved player this year he's a bit of a lesser man's 
Adama Traore or Sam Maximan as well from Newcastle, both who have had really good performances in recent weeks. And you you look at them when they arrive, and it is almost like a rough diamond. They're just they're fast and and strong, um, but actually maybe don't have that guile to their game. It also, in a slightly different way, reminds me a bit of when Clint Dempsey first arrived at Fulham. It was all about the tricks, the flick, the stepovers. He couldn't do enough stepovers, and actually few different managers particularly Roy Hodgson kind of sat him down and said cool the tricks and flicks are okay in small doses but you need to become much more than a player that is just um, doing 17 step overs to try and beat a right back and and, and, and similar thing I feel like with with Abubakar Scotty has said to him look you're big you're fast you're strong that's not going to make you a great player. You need to add some intelligence to your game. And fair play, he's 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 a transformed man. No, absolutely, and I couldn't agree more with what you're saying about his overall play. And I think another thing that can't be understated is the fact that he seems to have matured a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, we two three seasons ago we saw you know how petulant he could be, how flippant he could be, and he just brought this unrest to the side, this imbalance because he was just this loose cannon essentially, and as well as improving tenfold. I mean, how many good crosses have we seen him put in this? I think he's got on about three or four assists, isn't he? And he's, which we wouldn't have dreamt of this time <laughs> last year the or two years The only thing that ago. frustrated me, him a bit on Saturday, he still was quite reluctant sometimes to take on a man. And I don't know if that's maybe because he's realised his own limitations that he is not the most skillful player. He will not bamboozle you. He runs past you. Uh, but there was just a couple of times where I felt like, go on, Beat him, beat him. Uh, I, yeah. yeah, I think I think you'll get there though. Like I, I was, I didn't make it to the game on Saturday. I, I watched the game from the comfort of my living room with a black and white dog on my lap. And I think watching it on television particularly sort of gave you the perspective. Like Kamara had a couple times where he did make moves. And so to Sammy's point, like I think you're exactly right. I'd like to see him do that a bit more. I think he's almost a bit gun shy. Of of trying to to challenge players, and when he's when he's you know same thing on the counter attack, just 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 go for it. Just you've got that speed, you've got a bit of talent, and he's obviously taming himself coming back in. But yeah, it's time to sort of unleash a bit of that as we mm. go forward. Yeah, I mean, let's not get ahead of ourselves. He <laughs> he is a man who somewhat lacks finesse. However, I do agree that is if you, if he's running into space, knock it for you know like we used to see, you see the likes of Gareth Bale doing just with that raw pace and power, knock it into space, and then no one's going to catch him. At all. I doubt he's going to jink his way through. <laughs> here's a funny thing though, and I thought about this because he he made a point about how poor his performance was. I actually probably would rate Kamara to go past a player more than Knockhart right now on the sort of form and the way that the two of them are playing, which which says a lot about maybe where Knockhart is at, but also Kamara. I think Kamara's, Kamara's got that ability to do it, and Knockhart, unfortunately, is, is not really in that position right now. And hey, I think what we sometimes forget about Kamara is that he's had big moments in a Fulham shirt. He started the playoff semifinal <laughs> against Derby mm. and started the playoff final. I it's almost like it's we've been talking for almost like two years, like in surprise when Kamara puts in a good performance. Right. And, and even in the Premier League, he had a few flashes. I remember the game against Leicester at home. He was particularly impressive that day. It seems like we always have to come on and say, God, wasn't Kamara good? As if I went on the pitch and, and, and did an OK performance. It shouldn't be that surprising anymore. But it, it, for some reason, I guess maybe we just look at we the negatives are so ingrained in our mind that that actually we forget that I think Kamara has had more good performances than bad performances for Fulham yeah no I totally agree and I feel like Jack Collins is in the room he may be disagreeing we're gonna we're gonna 
he's matured. He's his head is certainly somewhat more screwed on than it was that we've seen previously. And I think Scott Parker is starting to get you know unleash his potential, look, which look, is undoubtedly uh, there. The only final thing I'd say is it's a good reminder as well about the other guy who's up top for Fulham. And you talk about a player whose potential had to be unleashed. It used to be Mitrovic was damaged goods. No one thought they could get the best Precisely. out of him. He's a red card waiting to happen. You know, how many times do we hear, yeah, he's good, but he'll fall apart for you guys. You know, these players have to mature. They need to show that maturity. And, and, and it's Tony Khan's, one of his philosophies is, fi- and, and one day it will come back to right, bite right. him, I'm sure. But he kind of likes buying these almost volatile players that can be tamed <laughs> almost like a circus master and i hate to like like you know these guys are not obviously animals and they're 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 so much more than that but you know it's it's really nice to see a boss or a uh, an organization stick with players because we've all had our bad days or our good days and so you know if you're a player looking to go to a club it's another reason why Fulham is a good place to go. It's if you stick with the club, if you put your time in and you have the right attitude, you'll get a chance to, to make a success of yourself. Mm. I have the same mentality with Don Betts at Fulham. <laughs> <laughs> One day. <laughs> I'm joking, Don. We love you. Okay, um, looking at the rest of the game. Bobby Decker Dover Reed, did he have a good game or not? I think that he was alive and he... He was uh, alive. I mean, mean, that's the very least that we... In the time of coronavirus, that that is something to be said. There were 22 alive players on the pitch. (laughs) Right now, we should be grateful for that. No, I thought that he was bright and 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 had a good spark during the game. But I feel like he missed some big chances. There was the header in the first half, which Mm -hmm. maybe on its own wasn't that easy a chance but Mitro was literally waiting to tap it in only a couple of yards behind you can forgive him for that one and then in the second half um, he missed another good chance where he kind of got played through it was a tight angle but he hit it straight at the keeper didn't really trouble him and then really late on yes good block from Thomas Callas but he took too long to make his turn I was watching the Everton Chelsea game yesterday and Mount had had one where he's he similar had a little bit of turn and you, you look at the and, and it's that split second where it's just half a second sooner that Mount releases it, hits it, beats Pickford near post. You know, De- Bobby had that positioning and he just takes half a second too long to get squared up and make that shot on goal. And it gives Callas a chance to get in front of him. And, you know, I love Bobby. I think Bobby, the one thing that you can always count on Bobby, which is a real um, credit in the championship, is that he will bring that energy every single game. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have off games in that regard but his finishing sometimes lacks a bit of, of, of clinical precision and I think unfortunately against Bristol maybe he just got in his own head a little bit but but something was a little bit off sometimes I almost want he maybe he needs to go on instinct a little right. bit more you wonder if he tries to calculate it or oh, maybe I put it there but but actually in that calculation it's too long sometimes he just needs to throw a boot at it and, it's and like hope the, for the best he'll miss some but yeah. he will score a few as well I Maybe that's quite basic. No, it's the it's the Dybala goal that he broke Ashley Young yesterday. If you've not seen this, yeah, like he let, he just left him in a grave. It was really really shame for Ashley. But but it's the Dybala, just the outside of the foot. It's like not even thinking about it. Just you know pure instinct. And we need a bit more of that. Obviously, he's in a different class. But Bobby's just gotta just just put a boot on. Sometimes you toe the ball. Like it's not always gonna be a clean strike, but you just put it on frame. It's it's frustrating. You talk about those you know split second moments and those and those ultimately mistakes and the finishing he's if that 
goal had gone in and if he'd set up Mitrovic, he'd be challenging Kenny for a man of the match performance. It's just those two moments that yep. I feel that let him down overall. But yeah. it's it's the fact that it's happened more than once that is maybe slightly more cause for concern. I wasn't ex- I wasn't sure whether he was going to get a good reception from the Bristol City fans, but he really did. Mm. And um, I spoke to. Um, one of the podcasters from the One Stream in Bristol podcast after the match, and and I asked him. I said I was quite surprised that the reception was so warm, only because he moved right. to Cardiff, and Bristol and Cardiff have a rivalry that I just a bit like Palace and Brighton. I can't buy into it. I'm it's sorry. It's a rivalry for the sake of a rivalry. But anyway, um, he said that oh, it would all it was always going to be positive, but actually there was the potential of a couple of naysayers who haven't forgiven Bobby, and therefore. The, the overwhelming majority almost wanted to out weigh the outweigh the maybe small pockets of, of negativity in the crowd. Of course, when it comes to Joe Bryan, there is just ain't nothing but love from <laughs> from Bristol City, and uh, rightly so, I guess. Um, let's come on to their goal. Now, I feel like we were in the ascendancy for most of the game, but we didn't really create too many clear clear cut chances certainly nothing that I thought was a glaring miss or an unbelievable save apart from Bobby's do you it, it, I, I feel like he should have put that away don't get me wrong what, I, the first, I'm not... sorry first heart or yeah, any for, of them uh, the, the glancing header that mm. went uh, to the to the right of the post do you know what where, I think maybe it was because where we were at the back of the at the other end of the pitch it didn't look like as bad a miss as it did when you then watched it Pre- later, later on the but... telly but their goal, it was it was really poor defending. It felt like there was at least three chances um, to get rid of it. And fair play to Naki Wells. That's what Naki Wells does, isn't it? He, he, he's a poacher and he, and, he, and he assessed the situation far better than any of our players. It was a, it was a very good, difficult, powerful downward header that Rodak... It, I mean, it would have taken what, the best goalkeeper in the world to have saved that. But it, you can't deny the fact that we missed those chances to get rid of it. It was just ping-ponging around in the box. It felt a bit Sunday league yeah. at times. And it's those goals that, you know, they happen to every team on the planet. It's not... I wouldn't necessarily put it down to a bad... Def- it was just unfortunate. Missed our fluffed our chances and then it popped to the one man on their side that it didn't, you didn't want it to go to. I think it's one of those reminders of kind of we've gotten a bit spoiled in the last... I think one of our questions is about our favorite player, Hector. Right now we all love Michael Hector. We've sort of gotten spoiled in the last you know bit of time with Hector and Reem being, you know, just forming such a, a solid partnership in the back that those sort of... You know, we don't have as many of those balls pinballing around the, the the center. The two of them are really good about just clearing it out, making the, the smart decision and working alongside Rodak. You know, Rodak, you can fault him for certain things, but they've done a fairly good job of communication. And this is one of those times where, for whatever reason, the three of them just just fluff their lines. And mm-hmm. it's a classic, to your point, it's exactly right. It's a Sunday league. It's a championship goal. It's ugly. But I kind of think, you know, I, I'm sure that Scott Parker and Reem and Hector – all of them know that they made a mistake. All of them know what they would need to do next time. And you just have to kind of put it in the drawer and move on because it, these things happen. We've just haven't had as many of them this year because we've actually played pretty well. Yeah, I think that it is sometimes easy to forget that teams will concede goals. But <laughs> it, it's, it's it's an unfortunate fact of play. And you could have the best team literally in the world, even Liverpool, concede stupid goals sometimes and uh, particularly in the last month they've conceded uh, more than their fair share. Let's come on though to Tom Kearney. Wonderful. From the first minute he stepped on that pitch, it suited him Saturday, didn't it? it, it and, and and I don't know if this is... I don't mean for this to come across as a criticism, but it was a nice pitch. He wasn't massively harried or hustled out of the game. Um, he seemed to have a little bit of spark 
back in him. A little bit warmer down <laughs> south. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, but everything seemed Maybe. to be Ooh. like absolutely perfect for for Tom on Saturday, and he and his and his radar of passing was just immaculate. But it wasn't even just his passing, was it? It was. He was closing down players. He was tackling. Mm-hmm. He was he was getting away from him. He was intercepting. Everything good, pretty much, that happened on Saturday was something to do with, with TC. Oh no, he kept he kept things taking over, and we've had a bit of a laugh amongst our group that he's had a resurgence in form since Marco posted the article on Fulhamish. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> ever since that article went out, which wasn't overtly. It's more critical of, of Parker precisely and how he was using Tom Kearney. Yeah. Is a lot of it to do with the re-emergence of Bobby Decadover Reed. It's something that's been discussed in the last couple of weeks. And also just gone to that, he's he's playing in his preferred position now. You know, he's more forward and you can just see it, it the instant impact that it's had on his game. He's finding those little pockets. Mm-hmm. He's pulling people to get he's making those link ups. And when when he was too deep in, I feel like he just didn't the way that we play, we weren't far enough up the, up the pitch to, for him to find these. You know, he was trying to ping long balls out to the corners, and it just wasn't happening. And now it, it was a it was totally worthy man of the match performance from Kearney, and the finish was just fantastic. Yeah, I mean, beautiful goal. I wasn't sure if there was a foul by Harry Arter in the build-up. I certainly wasn't complaining at the time. A foul on Harry Arter. No, a foul from Harry Arsenal. Oh, really? Cause, cause, cause he... It was kind of a 50-50, but yeah. two players definitely hit the deck and Tom Kearney very much took advantage of no, the no, space. It, for, from opened. watching on television, it seemed like, if anything, it was going to be a call, like, the, the call actually would have been against Bristol City. Like, I, I, that's, what I, that's what I thought watching it live. And everyone's kind of slowed down because I think they thought there was going to be a call one way or the other. Kearney kept playing, and that, that was one of the points that was made by the commentators is that he just, you know, took his chance, put it home, and, you know, I, again, to echo your point, he's just playing with a, a lot of drive, a lot of vision right now. You know, there, there were injuries maybe earlier in the year that may have been slowing him down a little bit. So, yes, he's in the right position. He's in the right headspace. And it's great to see him getting the absolute best of what we know that TC can do. There is something also about watching Fulham when TC clicks. Yeah. It makes it immeasurably better. It's, it's, he, he's your talisman. It, it's like, I mean... <laughs> ugly comparison but it's like going to watch Barcelona when Messi clicks it's in that same vibe of your experience watching a team is better when Mm. that particular player is on form it's like when Man United watching Man United when Paul Pogba's good or Fernandez right now well yeah Fernandez has changed everything it's the same thing is that all of a sudden you're going is this really watch like I watched them beat City yesterday and go, my goodness, this is the best I've seen them play in yeah. how many months? De Bruyne at Man City. If, right. if you go see Man City on a day that De Bruyne are playing really well, you're in for it's a lovely time. Unless you're obviously the opposing <laughs> fan. But it's just one of those. When TC clicks, Fulham do just look brilliant. It's just a shame that it's only bit well, it's not even been fifty percent, I'd say, this year that he has clicked, but better late than never yeah exactly he seems to be enjoying his football at the moment which when we have been critical of just his overall attitude I mean you know those days where it just seemed like yeah. he didn't didn't want to be there now is something switched and long may it continue um just come on to the penalty incident at the end it was a it was a right scramble and it was hard to know in the stand exactly what went on but it looked dodgy from where we were looking back at the replay i think i don't think you can deny that the keeper went through kearney before he got to the ball the ball came in from cyrus christie the keeper dropped it kind of fell to tom kearney if only if he'd just had another half a second to be able to react to it 
better, it would have been an unbelievable opportunity. It kind of comes off Tom Kearney's knee and definitely the keeper goes through Kearney. What the debate I feel like is, was it enough to warrant a penalty? So I think it's interesting because everyone on the Fulhamish group that was at the game thought, oh, could have gone one way or the other. I think anyone who was watching it on television, so Lydia and a few others of us, as soon as you watch that replay back, you go, that's a stone cold penalty. And part of that's because we become conditioned. We watch VAR has has become such a ubiquitous part of the game nowadays. Now, live, yes, we all kind of agreed that we could see how the referee didn't give that. But if you watch that on on replay and you look at the standards of what is a penalty, that's a penalty. He goes through TC before he hits the ball. And I'm not someone who's like, oh, that's a penalty. This is not that 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 is. And he takes him out, just about dislocates his knee before he even gets near the ball. And, you you know, I, I, I know it's a bang, bang play, but. You know that that's more of a penalty than other things that we've seen given this season. George, do you agree? I I was a, I was there at the game and obviously shacked my head off for a pen, but I fall on reflection. You know, you've seen them given, you've seen them not given. It was it would have been the very it was a tough call. It, 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 I think it was a penalty first and foremost, but at the same time, I can totally understand right. why it wasn't given. I've never seen if if a referee was never going to give a penalty, this was the referee. I've never seen so many clatters and like this. This is one of the most the hor- a, like like Mitrovic just was not going to get a call to save his life. No, he was, was very he was very handled. It was horrible. He was very lenient, but there was a couple of moments where really nasty. He showed himself up. There was actually one quite late in the second half where. Kearney robs the Bristol City player in a really dangerous position. I think it would have been a three-on-two comfortably. Whether that ends up in a goal, I don't know. It was 30 yards from goal when he tackled him. There was absolutely no way in the world it's a foul. And and it was a real genuine goal-scoring opportunity. And then you just see Mitrovic not get a call for the entire game. Yeah, I, I've, I've almost forgotten in kind of everything that happened <laughs> at, at late on, but yeah, he was. And, and, and Kamara had the one where Kamara did make a challenge and or tried to beat a, beat a player and got fouled very, very hard. And he goes tumbling forward about 10 yards. Mm. And you go back and, and the referee spots the ball about five yards yeah. deeper than it actually should have been. The referee tries to tell Kamara, and, and they're literally begging him and saying, look, I, I know this happened right here. Referee tries to tell him, oh, no, you, you fell this far. Go back and look at it clearly got hit at this point and where that that ball happens five yards is the difference between a shot on frame that's very dangerous and you have a chance to put again just poor referee all around but 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 standard for something happened there because it was mitro in tc over the free kick did mitro disobey orders yes so that was what happened live was if you watch them and they made the point this is what happens on sunday league or you've, (laughs) you've done this to your mate because it is set up in such a position that TC should have been the person naturally to take it. And yeah, left foot side. It made right. all sense. And Mitrovic just, just takes it. And you know mm. what? You've seen people, players do this. And if anyone is going to have uh, the right to disobey rank and, and pull rank. <laughs> but you saw sort of TC afterwards go, we're on the same page here. Is everything going right? It was really odd. He's Tom Kearney's not going to be the sort of captains are properly have a go at Mitrovic nobody's gonna like shout at him in front of the whole stadium it's like, all right well, I'm gonna let that one slide on this occasion but I wonder if Mitro 
kind of thought because he went for that cheeky one round the wall, thinking maybe the keeper had miscalculated I, his wall position. I didn't think it was the worst shot in the world. No, it was worth it was worth a go. But it was very funny. It was one of those where because it hit the side netting, one side of the Bristol City fans, I think, thought it was in. There was this kind of collective <laughs> gasp, and we all could tell from the angle that we were at that it wasn't going anywhere near. But there was a collective gasp from the Bristol City players. Um, I want to come on to Parker, who went Parker Ball, who went full on Parker Ball <laughs> with um, one of his substitutions <laughs> knock art for Reem. it's a straight sub if you've ever seen one <laughs> and it, we ended up in another situation where you had a doy christian kind of hector just doing like the the job the job of two people which <laughs> now this kind of i mean, I, I was a bit baffled by it not at the time and I was annoyed by it and I was saying to Billy who's next to me I was like he doesn't understand how are you going to build up play like Fulham do with three defenders and the fact that they can attack it every time it kind of worked <laughs> <laughs> it kind of worked didn't it and this is the first time this season that I feel like we can say um, Parker's crazy substitutions actually proved a little bit effective and even once it won it was one all we still looked like the dominant side, even with just three defenders. Mm. I mean, it it certainly keeps the opposition guessing, but the <laughs> only problem is that it keeps us guessing as well because it seems it just completely throws the equilibrium and balance and dynamic that the team's playing with into complete disregard. And sometimes it works. I say more often than not, it doesn't work. But I have to agree. It, for the last twenty minutes after we got, um, we we scored on about the eightieth minute, didn't we? But for the last for the last passage of play, we we were the ones knocking on the door, and I genuinely thought we were going to grab a winner. It did work. We, we it was among the best sort of. Sp- passages of attacking play I've seen from Fulham all season and I thought this kind of that free roll that Knockhart took on actually Mm. I thought it suited him he went on Instagram and said played 10 minutes wasn't very good and I was like you played a lot worse than that Anthony I I actually thought he was all right on um, on on Saturday there is this weird thing as well what they seem to have pieces of paper for like tactics when when there's subs and and Knockhart ran onto the pitch with this piece of paper in his hand <laughs> trying to instruct everyone where everyone the bloody hell was going because we suddenly had three right. people at the back. But Bristol City had the throw-in, so Bristol City carried on while anti knockouts trying to hand oh, round a piece of paper and then suddenly has to start running with a piece of paper in I- his hand. And there was an instant earlier this season where a piece of paper fell out of Tom Kearney's sock or something oh, yeah, and yeah. the opposition, can't remember who it was, started reading <laughs> the ta- the new tactics I'm t- <laughs> it's so Sunday league isn't can't it can't <laughs> we do better than a piece of like scrunched up paper well it like it implies that the tactics being ordered are so complicated that and so extensive that it's impossible to remember it all that's what it implies like surely if it's just you know you swap with them be more direct it's, it's obviously so like abstract that it has to be noted down or it may, maybe it's like some sort of diagram I don't know I'd, I would I would love to see what was on those bits of I'd paper. love it if like it was a windy day and that piece of paper kind of like blew into the stand and maybe Fulhamish managed to get like a snapshot <laughs> of what you could sell it probably for like charity or something one of Scott Parker's famous tactical notes I would just like to believe that it's actually just like your mother jokes or like like taunts for the opposition <laughs> here's, hang, so, here's, hang so, here's some yeah here's some material that we've been working on that we think would sort of get under the skin and you you know that, that that would that's kind of what I'd like to imagine that it actually is. I don't know what I'm imagining because I'm saying like can't they do better? And as if like Knockhart walks on with an iPad onto <laughs> the pitch or something like that, or has an AI um, hologram come out of his hand or something like that. And um, another thing that was a, a bit of any other business. I felt like we were playing Middlesbrough on Saturday. That kit, which was obviously for Bristol City's 125th yes. anniversary, 
two Middlesbrough for my liking with the white, yeah, white yeah. with the white thing across it. Mm, I, I didn't really notice it to be honest, but <laughs> yeah, now, now you point it out. I suppose, you'd, had, so, yeah. you'd, had, you'd had too many Guinnesses oh, yeah. by that point. All right, well, um, looking at the wider promotion race, um, Leeds got a win over Huddersfield. Mm, Scored an absolute worldly of a goal. Luke yeah, Ailing. Luke, Luke Ailing, fair play. Um, bit, a bit Van Basten almost wasn't it? It was, it was, it was, it was absolutely marvelous. And um, then, uh, can we just say though, I'm kind of like frustrated about this with Leeds. It's driving me nuts because we, you know, everyone said Leeds is falling apart, and, and I kept saying it's too early for them to fall apart. And of course, they're hitting their stride at exactly the right time. Yeah, they got their blip out of the way. Yeah, exactly. They? Some interesting results elsewhere. Uh, Forrest got thrashed by um, Millwall. Well, first half hat trick from Mr. Matt, Matt Smith. Matt Smith, what a boy! Um, <laughs> all two of the goals exact carbon copies, and then the middle one was definitely not really his goal. But if you're going to get a hat trick, you claim it, don't you? And then um, Brentford absolutely hammered um, Sheffield Wednesday. Preston lost again. So really, we're still kind of okay in the in in securing our playoff position, but the team that i want to discuss a little bit and it was discussed on thursday's pod that um dom did and we analyzed run-ins west brom now they drew nil nil with swansea they haven't won in three including the uh fa cup and um this weekend they play birmingham city who up until getting beaten by reading on the weekend one of the form teams in the league and it is a west midlands derby it's at the hawthorns i'm not expecting great things after that they go to brentford and after that Sheffield Wednesday, who are very Jekyll and Hyde at the moment. I'm not counting on big things from from Sheffield Wednesday. You get to within three points of them, the game that we, if if possible, the time we go to the Hawthorns at the end of the season. Is it just massive rose-tinted glasses that I think it's not Leeds you're catching anymore? It's West Brom. If, If anyone, it's West Brom. Completely agree with you. I think the way that Leeds is playing right now in particular... The way that Bielsa has them lined up, the sort of the fluidity that they're playing, just everything is is hitting. We've always known they're a very talented team. Like they are the most talented team in the championship. You know when when they're hitting in all form. And West Brom, you know, we they they sort of also have that problem of maybe peaking a bit too soon, where they've sort of been stagnant for the last month, and they're a very good championship side. But yeah, if you're going to catch one of those two teams, and I still like, let's be honest, I don't know how the the two of you feel. I still think we're we're going to have to go up via the playoffs if we're going to do it. But I think if you're going to catch either one of those, it's going to be West Brom. And you know, fingers crossed. I mean, who knows? Mm, I mean, it pains me to say it, but unfortunately, I think that Leeds are. It, it's it's going to be their year this year. I remember watching Nathan with you the the whole game. The whole game. The goals that they were scoring were just fantastic it really they seem to be firing on all cylinders and yeah West Brom dip in form I, I, if we are going to catch either of them I 100% we will be West I just Brom. think I, don't, I still don't think we will but I mean I know you're an eternal optimist Sammy but mm. I'm I, not normally an eternal, eternal optimist it's just something about West Brom that I'm not 100% convinced and they've kind of been in and out of form they yeah, haven't done a Leeds and kind of and blown their bad form out the water I still think there's kind of a bit of a hangover from what happened to them over New Year and you just you need to be within three points of them goal difference doesn't help maybe two points of them by the time we go to the Hawthorns three games from the end of the season and if that was the case imagine the pressure on them yeah. that, that's on exactly them at their yeah. place when they're the ones that have bottled it that's that's my only thing that's that's kind of keeping me going 
No, no, I, it's a scintillating prospect, and let's let's hope let's hope it comes into fruition. Honestly, anything to keep us having go from the go via the playoffs. I was uh, watched the Preston game with Mister David Preston, and uh, we were discussing our sort of stress levels about the prospect of the playoffs. And and Dave is, Dave said that he was planning on taking two weeks off for for the playoffs to just make sure that his body can handle the stress <laughs> and, the, and the fatigue of, of everything. And so, yes, anything that can keep us from having to, to go via the playoffs, I will, you know, sacrifice, do any rituals, do any sort of uh, voodoo necessary to have Fulham go via the automatics. Well, I've booked, a, I've booked a romantic getaway for the Friday where probably our first uh, playoff game will just just as <laughs> karma. Why on earth have you done that? No, it's, that's, a, that's a nice reverse jig, so I like that. That's it's a reverse jig because we're not going to need the playoffs. All right, okay. That's my thought. <laughs> anyway, we've got a load of questions to answer, so uh, we'll get into that after this. I'm Josh Schneider-Weiler. And I'm John McKenzie. We know that the football news cycle never slows down. But sometimes, don't you wish it did? <laughs> On the Football Today podcast, we give you in-depth analysis of the most interesting stories from around the world of football. And hear from the most knowledgeable journalists in the game. You can listen to each episode in the time it takes for a single commute. So join us now and subscribe to Football Today, wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Fulhamish podcast. Sammy James here with George Cooper. Hello. And Nathan Martin. Hello, hello. So you just heard a little excerpt there from Football Today, uh, who are supporting us over the next few weeks. Uh, Definitely check out their podcast. Particularly interesting one uh, that I've had a little listen to is Arsene Wenger, uh, the offside rule and the future of football's offside rule. And just kind of looking at whether... uh, Arson's proposed offside law, which is basically that if any part of your body is onside, therefore you would be onside. So you could just have a trailing foot level with the last player and, and it would be okay. And actually, I was listening to it just thinking that actually in, in the rest of the world, and particularly the championship, where we don't have yeah. VAR, how crazy would it be that you're going to adapt the entire game for the very few leagues at the top. It's one thing that some of football's riches don't pass down into grassroots, but the fact that you would change the laws of the game so that the rest of the world had to adapt how it plays the sport so that the people watching on TV in the Premier League can can enjoy football a little bit more seems seems absolutely crazy to me. And I'd have thought Arsene Wenger is someone who's been in football all his life would would appreciate that a little bit more but maybe kind of fame and money and being in that world for too long makes you forget kind of the real world of football that was, mm. I don't know what you thought I mean I I think it's so I'm not sure what you would be hoping to achieve in installing this new law because there's always going to be fine margins no matter what you're measuring it by there's always going to be controversy depending like whether you've got VAR or not I feel it's going to be harder to officiate because you're going to have the hangover of, you know, the officials trying to adapt to these new rules. And I think it's a case of if it's not broke, and I know some people would argue maybe there could be improvements, but if it's not seriously broke, why fix it? I'm just still trying to think about how we can go back in time and get the Millwall goal reversed uh, 
where we came out with three points instead of a draw with that blatantly offside goal right there. So I'm sort of still distracted right we're, we're, we're absolutely no part of his body. Um, <laughs> exactly. Onside, exactly. Mr. Wenger. We'll do listen to football today uh, on the podcast app of your choice. Right, some questions. Uh, this one from JD. How much of a psychological boost will Kearney's 84th minute equaliser prove to be? Should we face Bre- Preston or Bristol in the playoffs? We now erase the autumn defeats and look confidently at these potential fixtures. Had we lost to Bristol City, then we'd be looking over our shoulder and then there's a different type of pressure. And beaten through the four fixtures, the draw now all but cements our playoff spot um, rather than, uh, and we're now focused on closing a gap. What do you think the impact of, of, of is, because people are talking about two points dropped from the game, but there will be a big psychological impact of the fact that in this game, we were able to come back. In the Swansea game, we were able to win it in the 94th minute when it all looked dead. And in the Derby game, we looked kind of a bit dead and buried with that penalty and, and Mitro scored that goal. We talked a while back about how we couldn't get back from being 1-0 down or getting a goal when it mattered, when it was difficult. I feel like we've got that monkey off our back a little bit. No, I would have to agree. It's something that I'd spoken about at length on the podcast and criticised our team for and maybe the sort of character that we have within it. But yeah, it, it, it's putting a lovely positive spin on the result, which I, I, I like to hear, to be honest. I, I think I, you've got to say that most of the fan base have recalibrated their expectations and that playoff automatics aren't going to be, you know, isn't going to happen this year. So when you look about look at it from this angle, yeah. If you think about it, our mindset going into the playoffs, then I, yeah, I think it's a positive thing. I, I think clubs take on the form, you know, the shape and the form and the emotion mentality of their managers often. And I think Fulham, you know, for better or worse, they're 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 in the mold of Scott right now. And I think from an emotional standpoint, I think that's actually a really a positive thing. And I, I thought about this at the end of um, the Fulham game, uh, watching Scott on the the touchline, and I, I don't know how how many of you will watch him after matches and sometimes I actually want him to get a bit angrier like you've just draw you just had you know a penalty shout turned down you've just had three points you know we've not been able to get three points and he's so calm after every single match he just sort of like the consummate professional you know shakes the hands sort of you know always sort of been reminder this is just one more game in a very very long season and that drives me nuts but at the same time you know, I, I do think that's becoming ingrained and imprinted upon the club. And you saw Kearney kind of ticked off that they had dropped the points. But I also think that, you know, they are a club that doesn't give up till the end. They are a club that knows that their manager has their back. And, you know, when, when you come down to a two-legged uh, playoff potential, um, you know, uh, outing, that's something that's that's really important. Uh, this one from a, a Twitter account called Fulham From Way Away. And his at is you whites one two three all in different uppercase and lowercase letters okay dom bets burner account that's fine (laughs) whose burner account is this uh this one though says if we had had hector playing in the squad from the very beginning would have that dramatically increased our chances of automatic promotion or not now i feel like it's a bit of an obvious answer my question is how much of a difference? It would have obviously increased our chances. How, how many points do you think we picked up? Do you up? think we'd be level with the top two right now had we had Hector from the beginning of the season? Normally, uh, normally I'd say yes, but at the same time, we've still had a couple of really shocking results with Hector in the lineup. I don't think we go to Barnsley on the opening day 
and how you know we probably come out of there with a draw realistically so they're you know they're, they're like a draw or a win so that's a point we're gonna go through each each game yeah. no, <laughs> no but yes. i'm just saying but but there are a couple of these games where i you know let, let, let's take the west Brom game that's actually one where i think we probably we probably hold on because that's exactly we still the, had marcus batonelli and go well that is that you know you can't really you, know, you can't count for that but we did miss some of that solidity when we had some of those those messy games, and we are seeing that a bit more now. So I don't know how many points we would have picked up, but I think we would be very close. I'd have liked to have thought that um, Hull wouldn't have happened. Mm. <laughs> that was a dark day. <laughs> I don't. I mean, I guess because Barnsley happened, I'm thinking with Hector. You're thinking, well, actually, I don't know. Maybe this squad would have still struggled to gel even with Hector in the side. I think we are still fallible. Not as often though with Hector. Mm, That's I, maybe my thing. Is maybe at, at, we're, we're, before Hector, we were having an absolute stinker once a month. That's kind of been reduced to once every two months with Hector. I think if we had him from the start, we'd we'd be at least level, if not at first. I really, I, I thought, I think the impact that he's had on this team, it's just so obvious to see, to be honest. And while, yeah, we have had the you know the Barnsley game and what have you, um, I think on balance, his impact can't be understated David Manning like this one are to read and knock out have options to buy in the summer I believe which ones would you want to keep and would it be different for the championship Premier League now let's there's a couple of clauses in there for instance I think we have to buy Harry Arter if we get promoted but let's forget all of that just hypothetically championship who do you keep Premier League who do you keep out of those three the only person I would keep is Harrison Reed. I would let Knockhart and, and, and another Knockhart. season in the championship. You wouldn't just have Knockhart in the squad if you could. Not unless you see some dramatic improvement in the next, you know, towards the end of the season. Because honestly, as expensive as he is, and as also as mercurial as he is, he just sporadic from game to game. I would rather see us put a few of our younger players into some of those positions. I think we have some some depth in those positions, and I'd I'd honestly the only person I'd rather see is Harrison Reed come back, and Harry Arder can also move on to another club. I, I would have to totally agree with you, Nathan. To be quite honest, if, if it's so frustrating because we we've, we've seen what Knockart's capable of, especially at this level, and you know that it's there, and you know that he just needs to hit a bit of form, and it could be fantastic so if if we see if we get a glimpse of that then keep knock up Arta I can take or leave I feel like yeah I won't go into that I've already gone into uh, <laughs> my, my opinions of Arta and then definitely keep Reed if we can I'd keep Reed I would also keep Arta if we were in the championship I I'm not Arta's biggest fan I'm a bit like you think he's a bit of a hothead he got booked for nothing on Saturday well not for nothing I assume he said something to the ref that he shouldn't have and and I was annoyed because it just it was a long period of the game that he had to be on a booking and it's fair enough if you make a challenge that stops an attack but he was just being a bit mouthy from from the looks of it but I still think he gives you a bit of depth in midfield and on his day does have some quality and you know we've seen it in in little kind of glimpses I remember the pass for Kenny's goal against Blackburn and obviously the Villa goal the yeah, Villa yeah. goal just shows that he can't there was a couple of moments on there Saturday he was there he was he was just limbering he was, up. he was looking for it he was looking for an excellent volley it just wouldn't fall for him uh, this one from Carl Kent from Inverness uh, how much do you think we missed Brian I thought we did okay but his deliveries were missed especially for Mitro uh, this is a thorny subject uh, <laughs> on the uh, on the Fulhamist social medias in, in the past few days I didn't, again, feel like we missed Brian too much going forward a little bit, but I still feel like we got plenty of balls in the box on 
on Saturday. I don't know if necessarily the amount of crosses is what we're missing. However, Mitro really didn't get on the end of an awful lot. So maybe you do miss me, uh, Joe Bryan because he does have that link up with, with Mitrovic and particularly seems to look for him. Mm, I, I mean, there's never any question about his quality of delivery when we're moving forwards. It's just the defence. I, I I didn't really notice his absence all too much. To be honest, I, I certainly don't think our overall performance was impacted negatively that much. So I, yeah, yeah I, I I do have to say, massive fan of Cyrus Christie, and I just think I think if he can continue building on you know some of the the good minutes that we're seeing from him, he offers you quite a lot, and I think he also offers you a bit of a attacking, and he's just a he's a big player as well and and you need that going into the end of the season so I, I didn't miss Brian that much and to Sammy's point I think you're exactly right our problem is not the number of crosses the, our problem is that there's usually no one in on the other end of that cross when it comes into the box we our timing is off Mitrovic had a, a kind of a, a an invisible game for a large portions of the game on Saturday and so I don't know if that gets rectified if Brian's in the lineup but. I think the three of those are going to switch um all through the season, depending on when Joe Bryan comes back. And I'm kind of happy with any option. I do like Cyrus Christie. I feel like having Cyrus in there, either with Bryan or Adoy on the left, is more balanced. I don't know what I think Cyrus particularly worked well with a Bubicar. Can I come at one point that I think that the announcers kept banging on about, which I do think is right, is I would love to have Scott tell Cyrus and, and Abubakar in particular, when you get a bit of space, just go for it. You've got two very quick players and you have the re- release on the counterattack rather than trying to build it up every time. And you've got open space. Like when we did that a couple of times on Saturday, you just, the Bristol City players, they get pulled forward. They got pulled out of position and you all of a sudden you just have acres of space. And, you know, I would love to see us have a bit more of that free flowing style and be willing to kind of transition because Kamara is, is, is you know unmatched you yeah. made tr- the Triori point I think it's great it's like there are very few players are going to keep up with him and you add Caviero on that like we saw in, against Preston you know I'd love to see that streaming forward a bit more mm. Cyrus Christie does have a FIFA glitch in him once a game I noticed <laughs> like he'll just do something like it'll obviously come off the wrong part of his foot or something and it's not really that serious but he did one against Bristol where he just tried to pass it to Bubakar Kamara up the line it wasn't a hard <laughs> pass and it just like went into the stand and I was just like did someone like I don't know play, press like square instead of X <laughs> or something like that? I'm just a bit baffled, but uh, I've been impressed with Cyrus Christie. Okay, couple more questions. Uh, Jack Copeland, I've got a rash on my lower thigh. Is there anything to be worried about? I'd uh, say go get it checked out. Actually, no strain on the NHS at the moment. I'll just go to the chemist to get some ointment. Jack's in the USA, so maybe Nathan's actually the person to ask about answer. Well, about if you're this. in the USA, you just. Uh... You know, hope that you've got medical insurance. Yeah, either that or just go ahead and self-isolate. And you know, once you start turning into a werewolf or something else, come back to us. So I almost asked when I saw this question come in. I almost said, you know, doctor, doc, doctor George Cooper needs 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 to see a picture of it before you can make any diagnosis. But I thought we might be opening ourselves up to a bit of uh, problematic tweets. So mm. yeah, let's I, not I, let's not invite. As much as I love the listeners, let's not be inviting them to show oh, photos sure the rash in, <laughs> they're in a thigh. I think Dom Betts has something similar, so I would say DM Dom on on Twitter and he'll be yeah. Able to send Dom a photo. I'm sure he'll be really happy to help out. Uh, this one from East FFC. I like this. Who's getting their bonts on it in the 97th minute of Wigan away to send us up? <laughs> oh, it's got to be Dennis Adoy. Yeah, oh, I would love nothing more. Or Christie. Dennis Adoy. Dennis Adoy, Derby, you know, like the sort of the, the Derby winner. I would love to see him. Niskins Cabano's got a leap on him. And I yeah. think he's, he's been threatening a header all season. I, I have to say, 
it cracked me up. So Farrell Monk, a member of Fulmish Pod, also plays football with Sammy and I from time to time. Maybe not the tallest member of the Fulhamish community and football squad beat out about three or four players about a foot taller than him in our Wednesday night game to score a goal. And I was like, he's just been at the Dennis Adoy school of like, of, of, of hop, of hopping. I mean, Dennis, Dennis is fantastic for that sort of thing. Yeah. I've got an, uh, I've got an insider at the club, somebody who works at uh, Fulham and they, apparently they have all of the physical attributes, right. you know, your, your box jump, your, your body fat. Yeah. All of those things that you can possibly measure. Dennis Adoy comes pretty much first in all of them in terms of physicality he's completely un- unparalleled which surprises me because you know he's not the he's not the youngest member of the squad but supposedly he just no one can get anywhere near him. I, i'd like to hope they measure things like style as well and dennis yeah. also comes out top sh- on there just chat. like yeah <laughs> 10 out of 10 would spend a day with um okay my final question is will the fulhamish boys beat the Brentford supporters on Saturday at midday at Barn Elms. Now that is the big question here. Um, Nathan, I'm very upset to hear that you're not playing. George, you're in goal from from what I've heard. Yeah, I think so. I'm either going in net or up top. So <laughs> this is I mean, I mean, I'm a versatile player. What can I say? So uh, I like to model my up top performance on on sort of Andy Johnson. You know, I make a lot of... I've been described by my old, uh, <laughs> old football coach as... Being playing like an out of control speedboat, and also we talked about most improved <laughs> player, Vubakar Kamara. I remain to this day the only person at my football club. Uh, it was actually at my school to get most improved two years in a row, and we all know most improved is, a, is the award that they just give the person who like collects the cones. You, I mean, the you, end. Played, <laughs> you played in that five side game in December, and you were good then. So if you're most improved from that to, to Saturday, then I, th- then I think <laughs> we're in for a treat. Farrell, manager Farrell Monk has uh, been threatening me with being on the wing slash bench for this one, despite my pleas to play up front. Oh, uh, right, that- he's finding anyone else that's ever played up front in their entire lives um, just to spite me. So I can't. <laughs> so I can't play at my uh, cherished number nine. I normally have to take a back seat for, for Nathan, who is who is the bit who got a great touch for a big lad um <laughs> I, you know i was i was, ta- I was i was having a moment of graciousness i thought i'd like you know give other people a chance it's sort of like you know olivia i'm olivia Giroux at chelsea i'm letting the younger players sort of have their moment in this something <laughs> in blossom taking jack kelly under your wing and telling that's, him that's right that's right uh, if you live in, if you live in the area and you fancy it and you're and you, i don't know walking your dog in the barn elms region <laughs> on uh, saturday at midday do just uh, pop over and you'll see uh, 11 very unfit uh, podcasters uh trying to trying to get one over on brent I'm hoping that it's the double victory this weekend. I know. Weekend. Well, if, if it's a victory, if, if if it's following a full victory, then you will have, you may just have people staggering around the pitch even more so because they're still going to be hung over from the night before yeah. and the celebrations. Yeah, whoever wins is going to be at a disadvantage. You just, actually just see going. them sweating Aperol spritz out of yeah. their pores. I don't know who arranged a, a, a midday <laughs> kickoff uh, after a derby game on the Friday. Right, uh, last thing we need to do is name the podcast. So... Mr. George Cooper, what are you going with? Um, I did quite like Brizzle Without Sizzle just for the, you know, the, the rhyme, but I, I don't think it's all that justified. So let's go with, let's go with the Callas one. Yeah, the, the Fulham draw, Callas, or with the, with the K in brackets. Either that or we could go for the Callas, Callas block. No, I think Fulham draw, Callas. All right, we'll go with that one then. You really have, and also the thing is the pod name. It looks better written down. Right, it's, right, it's hard yeah, to say. One thing it doesn't sound as good, but like when you see it listed out, it makes total sense. And and who was that? That was Brett Pund on Twitter. So thank you very much, sir.
Ironic that Mr. Pund is the person that's uh, coming up with uh, with a gem like that. Right, uh, Fulhamish Extra will be back in the week. Uh, looking ahead to the Brentford game on Friday, uh, Mr. Don Betts will no doubt have a Brentford fan uh, with him on the line. I'm going to make a an educated guess that it might be our friend Billy the Bee. Uh, I'm not 100% sure, but uh, probably something to do with him uh, on the line. And it's a, it's a big old game on Friday down at the cottage. Looking for a bit of vengeance, I think, uh, following uh, what Anything happened Anything has Griffin to be Park. better than what happened in Griffin Park. That was horrible. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I, I don't know why. It gets me nervous every time. I, I don't get nervous this like this for QPR. Not really Chelsea, but... It that feels like that, make, it feels that lot like, makes me nervous. It yeah, just annoys me. It feels like that exam that no matter how much you've studied for, you just know it's going to be horrible. Even if you get a decent grade on it, it's just going to be a horrible, horrible experience. Yeah. And that is a beautiful analogy to end the podcast with. George Cooper, thank you very much. <laughs> You're very welcome, Sammy. Thank Nathan you. Martin, thank you very much. You're very welcome. And uh, come on, you whites. Mm-hmm.